G'day, it's Patrick. My podcast right now happening in front of me is Solid 60. I don't know why I'm calling it that. I know there's a whole 60-year goal, but uh, you'd think if I was you know, really sticking to the spirit of it, I'd do a solid 60 minutes each week as well. But Christ, that would uh, be some serious work that I don't have time to put into it. You know, research, structure, things like that. We'll get there, maybe, one day, once I work this out. But like Sam Menzies says on his podcast, The Downside, it's a long-term goal and the first 10 years he's not too worried about it. It takes time to build up the skills to make this uh, worth listening to and for now it's all just a bit of fun. And it shouldn't feel like homework, which this week it did a little. I, was, I keep mentioning it to friends and stuff like, oh, I've got to go home and do that and then work or just get in the way or other. Yeah, so I'm feeling a little bit under pressure, uh, a little bit like the whole going to the gym, jiu-jitsu thing, which neither of those things have happened this week. And there wasn't even that much overtime. It just, it's here and there, early and late jobs but not enough of them to keep me rolling in the money i'm just running around that's all been playing a lot of skyrim too i've got to mention that been listening to a couple of new podcasts i'll talk about those did do a film night where it was like a bunch of people that hang out in chatswood and talk about different uh, techniques they can use to improve their short film production skills i actually did that before the last podcast and i forgot to bring it up but it was like the day before, um, so I should have talked about it fresh, but essentially it's just a, a lot of older men that I didn't really realize was such a huge community of guys that hang out, and I don't know if they do a lot of work together, apparently now and then they do like little competitions where they share a script and see who comes up with the best take on it, technically and artistically, uh, so that sounds fun, because that's one thing that's always, well, just one of the many things that's held me back other than procrastination and lack of pushing myself creatively but one I fell back on is like well I don't have a really cool script that I could just throw out and use like put out there and jump on board with that doesn't require like a lot of money and too many extras or really really good acting skills like doing the Samwise choreography stuff was fun so I'm like oh maybe I could throw some action stuff into a short film as long as I you know use his skills However, that would work and uh, just have enough of a short script that could could work. So that's really, I want to come out there with something good. I'm like, so I just got added to a Facebook group, like in a big way. Like I'm getting notifications every hour since it happened. It feels like, probably not. And I watched their film. It's Black Cat Film Productions, posted in Black Cat Film Productions. So they've got the page plus the, the group, obviously. Uh, which I'm yet to do with Banana Split. There's no group. There's no, um, obviously not a group for this one. It would require people to listen to it, but that's fine. Maybe one day. Imagine someone else creating a group around this podcast, like they've done with the Garmy for Hollywood Babylon. And obviously now he's got his own podcast as well, which I don't listen to because it has to. you have to pay for it, much like with Dan Carlin to listen to his history podcasts. I don't know if you can pay for something and hear all of them, but essentially he uh, deletes them to keep it fresh. He, he, The archives are gone. I don't know. I'll have to look into that, but they might be on YouTube. Someone's grabbed them and put them on YouTube, I'm sure, like they do with Joe Rogan. and A lot of the Kevin Smith stuff, they'll just pick out bits and pieces and give it a clickbait headline like, Joe talks to so-and-so about whatever hot topic issue it is. Yeah, it's a little bit annoying because I'm like, oh, I do want to hear that, but then again, I do want to eventually go through and listen to them all one by one even though it's like almost three hours a day and over 10 years to catch up on so that'll be a mission i still haven't bit into that yet uh, i did start another one today called stuff matters how stuff works god what's all this noise the cats are going nuts how science how stuff works it's really good like it's well it's got a whole website with lots of uh interesting articles on it what a cool place i've never been there before there was a podcast here we go podcast hopes hosts josh and chuck well that doesn't seem right that doesn't seem like the right people he does little interviews stuff you should know that's maybe the one that's that's probably it i'm gonna have to look back at my library of things which is on my phone because there's so many podcasts with very similar names and he has a TV show, basically interviews people that were on the TV show. How Stuff Works TV show. God, I went down the rabbit hole here, didn't I? 
It looks like there is one. So that's probably the thing I'm talking about. Anyway, it's really good. I don't know which guy it is, or if it's Josh or Chuck. Make up your mind, guys. Because um, the, the first two I've heard is just one dude and, like, his guest. And the first one was about transport. The second one was about funerals. And they were really cool. I recommend it. And it starts from the beginning. Although it says original release April 17th, 2008. I don't know if mine was that old. I'm going to have to go and look at my cast box thing. So I deleted the ones that I listened to today. It's difficult. Now what am I doing? Someone deleted me? Oh no. Someone just added their account. I really should not have that app. Because it just makes me too neurotic. Oh, Karina May might have deleted me. Well that's depressing. Because uh, it's a bit like that last one. I can't <laughs> Obviously I can't be too upset because I can't remember her name off the top of my head. But I always get paranoid like... <gasps> Did someone tell them something about me and I'm really problematic and is there whole sort of like gossip mongering going on around there? No one's talking about me. Get over it. Uh, she was probably just rationalizing her friends list and going, I don't talk to this guy. Who is this guy? How'd he end up on there? So fair enough. I cannot. And even the mutual friends, I'm like, yeah, I don't really know any of them. I will live. It's that whole high school neurosis of like, I'm out of the cool group. People don't like me. But I was looking for, that's it, podcast player. I wonder if the log will remember the stuff I've just listened to. God, it's really difficult to make sense of the log thing. No, I can't read that. It's just a bunch of red crosses. So you'd think that would work. And I could be like, hey, that's the thing I just listened to. But um, Adam ruins everything. That's the one. It's a completely different one to the thing I was just talking about. Stuff you should know does look good, though. And I'll look at Adam Rowan's Everything, and I'll go back, and, it, and it's the first one I've got there, and it does say episode one is 2016. So he's a good man, and he takes it all from the beginning. But yeah, I should type in stuff you should know and see when that starts, because there's quite a few, including one I wanted to talk about, the Adam Carolla show, or ACS, like I should know what that means, that don't keep their archive stuff. I know Kevin Smith recently dropped all his, and you have to get the premium Spotify app to get all the back episodes. Luckily, I've already listened to them. But yeah, it's a little bit, it's something that bothers me. I know they want to find, surely he's got enough money. I know they want to monetize their art, but come on guys, just, I'm more of a library archival buff like things should be out there you should be able to find the stuff especially given how popular and how good the Dan Carlin stuff is like no one really needs to hear Adam Carolla being homophobic five years ago but I mean the Dan Carlin stuff is really good so it'd be nice if you could get it all somewhere someone can get back to me and tell me how to do that what was the one I was just looking at stuff you should know it doesn't fill it in. I have to type it letter by letter. It's a bit slow. There we are. Stuff you should know. I've never been into this in terms of actually downloading any. August the 4th is the most recent. I'll sort it as old first because I like to start from the beginning. And how Grassoline works, 2008 in April. So that's got the whole lot. Switchgrass become the carful of the future. See, I've never heard of that. And it's been 10 years, so I don't think that caught on. Now, Adam Kroll, I'll just click his name. May 22nd is the earliest you can download. It's part two, for some reason, of, uh, they break them up into two sections, because otherwise it's like two hours long, which, why not? Leave it the whole length. You have to put up with a lot of ads, and Adam Crawler himself just segs straight into them, like during the humor sections, like the back, it's like a radio morning breakfast show type feel, and he just goes in, and it's really hard to know when to jump ahead. Adam, Gina and Brian talk about DJ Khaled's performance. Stormy Daniels alleged new porn and updates on last week's Houston school shooting. They play around of Germany or Florida. I guess I could download that. I mean, there's not a lot of continuity between the first and second parts. Uh, they just roll on. So yeah, it won't kill me to listen to that. So, you know, that'll make it as complete as possible. Uh, but the other one I've been listening to is 1A which is like an NPR thing, a real sort of lefty, liberal, intellectual chat show. And they do literally one every single day. And I don't think they've got them from the beginning because they does mention they're talking about other things from years before. And the earliest one I have is uh, way back in 
let's see, sort of middle of 2017. Um, they're only about half an hour, 40 minutes each, and they have a bunch of guests and talk about whatever is in the news lately or some kind of hot button issue. And they're quite good sober debates. They try and get a few people on each side of it. And it sounds seems fairly objective, though one of the hosts was arguing with a not a Klansman, but some kind of... I'm up to where the Charlotte thing just happened. So it's like three or four days in a row talking about that. And they bring some guy on that's all like about for keeping the statues. And it's some ridiculous name like Sons of the Confederacy. And he's like, well, we're not racist, but you know, it's got this really heavy Southern accent, which doesn't help his cause. And he comes in sort of like, no matter what I say, you're going to rip me apart. Has to be corrected quite a bit by the host, especially on uh, the cause of the Civil War, which is like, oh, it was economics. And the host very correctly puts him in his place and says, no, it's pretty much about slavery. Like the leader of the, the South, the Confederacy, says it like three or four times. And yeah, they, they just destroyed him. So he didn't let him kind of steamroll over him with any of his rhetoric. And it just kind of, it's good to see some dismantling of a person who clearly, while being very good at articulating himself in a manner as to not be coming across as obviously racist, like he distanced himself from the violence and the girl that was killed, and but but was pretending it was all about, well, the statues are about history and we have to respect that and it's a war monument to the fallen soldiers and blah, blah, blah. And it was very quickly made obvious that that's not what it was and if you're supporting that statue, then you're clearly uh, a little bit selective about the kind of history that you want to be celebrating and that his motivations aren't pure. So it was good. It's probably the most, the better, the best brain food podcast I've got at the moment. Plus, oh, I can't, I should check under the skin, the Russell Brand one. That was really good. I don't know who's picked up a new season yet, but because after a while they just started repeating stuff, which I didn't actually mind so much because it's so intense and so complicated that you hear it the third or fourth time even, and you, you digesting stuff that you didn't quite understand the first time uh it's not that he's so smart he's really good speaker of course and synthesizes things in a way that no one else would but it's the guests oh my god the guests they're just like the smartest people in the world by the sound of it and they've just written some amazing book and they get to talk about society and um the way we're heading and the way we should be heading uh, it's just really fascinating and beyond a lot of my comprehension but i do have a glimmer of hope that I can slowly improve my understanding of those fields. So that's why I keep in touch with what's going on there. And apparently Joe Rogan has a lot of the similar guests. Like they keep going, well, I was on his show. So he might not, again, be a genius himself, but he's really good at having people on that do make you think. Not all the time. Obviously he has some wrestlers and silly comedians which have their place and I'm sure I'll enjoy them as well. But now and then you just want some good tasty brain food. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, getting back to Adam Carolla. Oh, wow. There was one joke I wanted to bring up where he's talking about an actor that's coming on. And they can't figure out if the actor himself is gay or not, even though he's playing a gay character. And there is a, an interesting debate there regarding whether you should just have gay people play gay characters, uh, which some people do advocate for. I'm on the fence with the whole transgender thing, though I'm leaning now more towards, because of the argument that there's not many transgender actors getting work. And when they do get work, they only get work as transgender characters. So when a cis-gendered actor takes that role, like say the Scarlett Johansson thing recently that she backed out of, that's less work for them and that's problematic. And I can I can see that point, but I, think, I, I still think I have more questions about that. I mean, if they physically can play the role, and it's not ridiculous, like they're not John Wayne playing Genghis Khan or M Mickey Rooney playing a Chinese man, it's that's ridiculous. Obviously, that's where I draw the line. Any kind of race play, or I don't know what you'd call it, but there is definitely a word, like a blackface type thing. That shouldn't happen. But in terms of if they're physically able to play the role then why not? I mean, Forrest Gump, you had the guy, they took his legs off. Nowadays, would you have to find someone with no legs? Uh, even though the first half of the movie, he had legs? Uh, I don't know. That's, it's getting a bit silly in that way. So I think, yeah, I, I'm still fairly happy with straight or gay actors playing either straight or gay characters. 
because uh, Ralph Fiennes, I think it is, who came out as gay, has played plenty of straight male leads. Obviously, I think once he came out, that happened less often, and, and that shouldn't be the case. He should be able to play romantic interests for females as well, no matter what, as long as you can act, then do it. But uh, unfortunately, reality's not so kind. He was talking about this guy, and they were trying to figure out whether he's gay or not, and he mentioned that if he turned out to be gay, then they might have to wipe the seat down more once he leaves, which was just a boneheaded, moronic observation. Obviously, you know, he's got gay friends, and he's not 100% homophobic, but I do remember him getting in trouble for some of his remarks when he filled in for Kevin Smith at one of the Hollywood Babylon shows. A lot of Kevin Smith's fans got upset because they're a little bit more intellectual, left-wing leaning, you could say. Not all of them, obviously. A lot of them are down for the toilet humor or whatever. There's a lot of crossover, but quite a few people got upset about some of Crawler's jokes. And yeah, even I, as hard to offend as I am, it's just, it just wasn't funny. It just was ridiculous. Like even if, yeah, so they have anal sex sometimes, like not all gay people do that. But it shouldn't, it's got nothing to do with the seat being not clean. Like it's, it was just retarded. It just came off as something like a 12 year old kid who didn't understand sex or anything to do with sex kind of stupid joke they would make. So that was a little disappointing. But I don't want to be one of those people that's just offended about that one thing and then I'm fine with them making fun of everyone else. which I'm curious about how that logic works because comedians use that a lot. Well, you're only offended now. What about all those other shitty things they said? Which is one of the things I've heard Bill Burr say. And on the face of it, that sounds like a fair retort. But I just... Yeah, so I want to explore that further with someone smarter than me at some point. Like, where do you draw the line? Okay, they can say all these other things which may offend people, but because that's not you, you're okay with it. But this one thing that gets too close to home, then you walk out. I... I get how that's hypocritical, but I still think it's possible for a comedian to get away with a lot of edgy humor and then just occasionally cross the line. For me, it's not about the offensive nature of it. It's more about the intent and the whether the joke was funny or not. I mean, I think a really good joke, no matter how offensive it is, it's if it's funny, then I almost give anything a pass. But in terms of that joke, it wasn't funny. And the intention was to imply that, yeah, gay people are not as clean or something. Like, it was just, it really made me stop for a second there. But the rest of his stuff, not mind-blowing. I've kind of been keeping it in my back pocket as something I'll get to, and I'm a little disappointed. But it's free, like Kevin Smith says, so I can't be too upset. It's not a big deal in the scheme of things. I was just hoping for something a little bit more entertaining. But hey, I'll probably still work my way through them eventually. Because some of the guests, again, he has on are quite good. And, uh, yeah, he just facilitates. He's got this really whiny nasal voice. Hopefully I'll get used to that. And I remember there was an argument he had with uh, Kevin Smith at some point. So, obviously I've gone past that. I was going to wait till I got to the right episode and then hear it in context of the ones before and after. But, obviously, I'm going to have to now go on YouTube and find that episode. Because it's, yeah, the most recent one I have is from May this year. So again, that's an issue for me. I don't, it doesn't cost them more to have older episodes on. He just wants to, I don't know, streamline it, keep it more fresh. I'm not sure what the logic is there, but it's, I guess it's less crap I have to listen to now. A1, uh, I listened to a couple of uh, true crime things. Like I'm, I'm up to date on Sword and Scale, the Rewind ones, which Adam Kroll's wife, Lynette Kroller, was co-hosting for the first I think 20 or so episodes and then she dropped off too busy I guess don't miss it too much I, I like the way it is now it's got one of her friends that's her co-host on another one and this guy that used to be the researcher and they do quite a good job so I recommend that I mean it almost if you're upset with like Mike Bidet is a controversial figure because he's a bit of a dick online to people the show is still good but if you really can't stand him so much that you don't want to hear his voice then just listen to the rewind episodes they're a shorter more condensed version of his show they'll they'll talk about the main points of whatever episode they're up to like when they review his sword and scale show and they'll update what's happened since so i can recommend that that's it in terms of podcasts for now uh, when i talk about movies i've seen 
there was a Mission Impossible one. I haven't been able to review that properly because I was going to do it on Banana Split, but Jaden just hasn't got around to seeing it, and that's kind of on the back burner. Now it's almost too late to go and do a big review. So I'll just do a quick one here. I really enjoyed it. It was a while, like maybe two and a half hours, but you didn't notice the time because it was just so action-packed. It really was a big summer blockbuster for the great set pieces. Plot twists, funny moments, scary moments. I wasn't too emotionally involved, but it was a good popcorn munching kind of explosion, adrenaline pumping fest. I mean, you got to see him break his leg at one point, done a little bit of background reading where he'd done like the fourth time, then done the scene. He uh, bashed his ankle against the side of a building and it hopped away, and that's what they used in the film. So good for him. I mean, I think that's what ended up in Henry Cavill having to CGI with his moustache rubbed out for Superman because the, sh the shoot went over with uh, Mission Impossible and I thought that was a kind of a dick move on uh, Mission Impossible I can't remember if it's Paramount or whoever who are also being dicks about the new Star Trek film that was supposed to have Chris Pine acting with his on-screen father uh, Liam Hemsworth in some kind of time loop thing but um, they went and reduced the budget and now they can't afford the actors so they're not going to be in it so I'm a bit worried about how that's going because I really do enjoy the new universe that they created in the Star Trek films. So hopefully they can rescue that from oblivion. Movies, yeah, I haven't seen a lot. When I'm at home, I tend to throw on a Netflix show if I have time. Lately, though, I've been playing Skyrim, which is actually pretty good. I started playing it on the PC a while ago. I only got about as far as joining some companion guild and wandering around and buying stuff and then kind of just dropped off. I think I played it again on the PlayStation for a while. I spent more time creating the character than anything else. Probably a good hour or so altering the face. And then again, I only got as far as wandering around a bit and getting lost in the crafting system, which was just kind of annoying. Unlike Fallout, which is made by the same people, and there's a lot of similarities which help me just step right into it. But the crafting system, what I liked with Fallout, when you walk up to, say, uh, one of the benches or an oven, whatever, the kitchen units where you can cook you've got a list of things that you can make and recipes that you've learned and you can see which ones are highlighted where you've got all the ingredients and you just make it whereas in this you've just got a really long list of ingredients even if you even if you've only played for half an hour if you're the kind of player i am you've already picked up like five nettles and six blue flowers and you just walk around as soon as you see something you can interact with you take it i'm a hoarder and I've got all these things, and they're just there in a list. And it's like, well, what can I make? You don't know. You just have to experiment. And some people, I can imagine, really enjoy that, seeing what they can come up with. But for myself, I'm like, I like to have a, a preset template of things I can make. Tell me what I need to make them, and I'll do that if I want that thing. This sort of weird, open-ended, just complete lucky dip. One thing I did do this time, though, on the Xbox was download a couple of mods because I had so much fun doing that with Fallout. I still haven't finished my second playthrough of that on the Xbox because it just crashes. I went back to do the Institute ending, no sorry, the Minutemen because uh, the first playthrough was the Institute. I'm like, I've got to keep that place around. It's got clean toilets, it's like the future down there. But uh, I didn't like the fact that uh, you had to kill so many good friends like the railroad pretty cool people I didn't like their long-term ethos it was like yeah we're gonna still blow up the thing that creates our best friends and most of who we are and then that's it whoever was created is left to live forever and there'll be no more uh, it just didn't seem like a really well thought out approach you would at least try and keep the thing running so you can make more artificial friends <laughs> it, it's just the plot didn't... I don't know how much they spent... How much time they spent working that whole thing out. But they were a cool bunch of people. And I wanted to have them around. But, of course, you end up having to kill them. Plus the Brotherhood. Plus pretty much anyone else that was redeeming. So that was a pity. Whereas the, the Minutemen, you can kind of go with their ending. And still kind of stay friends with everyone but the Institute. So that's what I wanted to do. And unfortunately, no matter how many times I moved around and tried to start the castle mission where the Institute comes at you, which sounded exciting. I've never really gone into an all-out battle with them yet. Uh, it was a couple of 
since here and there around the map before I became, before I met my father slash son and it got really weird. You know, you would have the occasional battle and they were pretty easy. I think I might have had to fight one or two of the really strong units. Um, but to have a full on scale battle, like that would be pretty fun to have, but I'll never know because on the Xbox, it's just not up to it. It can't handle it. I don't know if I'll ever be able to finish that game even if I buy an Xbox One X or whatever the the really fast one is, I'm pretty sure that save file is now is is pretty much tied to that console that I have here. So and I can't see myself going through it all over again unless they uh, really really sort out the issues that uh, they have with that game, like in terms of it the bugginess. No, they're probably just going to do the Fallout 76, which I pre-ordered. There's been more details on that. I might have to watch a YouTube video on the um, co-op that's the sort of stuff that's come out and I'm like I don't really do co-op online like I need to I still don't have a mic I was playing something the other day uh, because it was like a weekend of free Xbox Live and uh, yeah that was interesting it was Grand Theft Auto it was my last kind of swing for the rafters on Grand Theft Auto and it was a bit of fun but I could hear them but they couldn't hear me and it was just running around and I ended up going into a death match with some kid who had a Batmobile that was just firing rockets at me and no-scoping me from miles away, and it was just ridiculous. Like, I can fully see how it's pay to play, or pay to win, and these kids had paid some serious money to have the gear they had, and I just literally got online that minute and had zero. I had like a pistol, no armor, nothing fancy, and you just get slaughtered, so... Not a fan, uh, you're pretty much aimlessly wandering around, you can try and start missions with people, but they, more often than not they wander off and do their own thing anyway, so yeah, unless you have a bunch of friends that you can try and meet up with online, I can't see that being worth doing. So I'll miss that world, uh, I wish they'd create more single player missions as DLC, but they just seem to stop doing that, unlike, I think it was number 4 where you could still, uh, they had the motorbike gang missions and gay tony and all that sort of stuff which i never got around to finishing um, i tried to play it on my old ps3 last year and i was just like man i can't go back to this i just can't it's like you see the mega drive now and the super nintendo the 8-bit NES, for less than a hundred dollars in the shops with a bunch of games on them i don't get why the mega drive is so much cheaper it's like 89 bucks and it has like a hundred games but the super nintendo which was contemporary to the Mega Drive is $120 and has only like 10 games. So once again, it sort of confirms uh, my allegiance at the time, which was very much for Sega, even though Nintendo did have some great games, the Mario Brothers you can't go past. I think Secret of Mana was theirs. Yeah, by that by the time that came out, I had both systems. But yeah, uh, and the, the Super Nintendo experience was a bit slicker. But the Mega Drive had more edgy stuff, it had more content, it had more... I don't know, I just was more into that brand. And even now, when they come out, it's like, yeah, it's so much cheaper to grab the Sega. And there's plenty of good games on there, but I can't see myself doing that. It's just like, I bought one of those arcade classics things on the Xbox, which works on, the obviously, the current system, but it has some of those really old-school games... And I'll jump in and out of them, I think, one time for the novelty factor. But you'd never go back and play them now. I don't know. You just have to be a certain kind of person, I think. For me, all, I want the latest. Like, I would love to be able to freeze myself and wake up in, I don't know, a thousand years. And vir virtual reality will be just basically indistinguishable from reality, I would think, by then. Maybe even in a few hundred years. And you'd be able to just live these amazing, intense, visceral experiences where you can almost be a god. I can't wait to see what they come up with in a few hundred years, if I can. Uh, I might be being optimistic there. But, God, I really wish I'd been born later. So, yeah, that's all the game. Yeah, so Skyrim, basically, I got some mods and made it a little bit easier this time. Downloaded one, which let me have some pretty sweet armor and a dagger, which just kills everything in one hit. <laughs> Even the crossbow has these firebolts. It's like a rocket launcher, basically. And there's the first scene where you have to fight a dragon. Not the one where you run away, the one where you actually have to take this thing down. And it starts speaking to you. And I went with Dark Elf. So I'm like, oh, it can uh, hit me with its fire breath and it's not going to bother me. Yeah, it hurt. 
Uh, you might be resistant to fire, but not that resistant. I, I still nearly got taken out before I could figure out what to do. I was trying to hit the thing with my bow and it just kept flying around. I'm like, this is kind of hard until it sat down on the ground and I was on top of the tower and just went, wait, he's not moving. Like, can't pass this opportunity up. And yet one hit, he just completely annihilated. So that was a little bit of a letdown. I was like, is there nothing I can just have a little bit of a, there's no strategy to it. Whereas I remember playing the Witcher and just to defight one mini boss would take me half an hour of rolling around left and right, back and forth. I don't think that game supported mods. I'm not sure which games other than basically the Bethesda stuff does on the Xbox. I know pretty much a lot of the PC games you could get would have mods available for them. But on the Xbox, I think they're a little bit more careful with like I bought all these other ones in the sale. I can't imagine that you do that, like Mafia 3 or Far Cry or whatever. But I'll see, because I love being able to pick and choose all these cool things. Like, I now have the voice, the dragon thing, basically. When you kill it, you absorb its power, and that works, that's what makes you this dragonborn thing. You're like, oh, sweet. Okay, I'm a little bit special. And instead of saying Fustura, or whatever the cliched stock thing is, I downloaded something which makes me say... Just do it! Pretty silly, but when you see it in context of a fantasy game, when you hear him say it, it's like, holy shit, this uh, is pretty funny. I'm sure when I've done it a thousand times, it less so, but uh, I'll try and spice it up any way I can. Anyway, and one of the cool things, like it reminded me I was in a Bethesda game, I wandered into a bar, and you just get pulled into these weird little stories. This guy challenged me to a drinking contest. I went, whatever. What could possibly go wrong here? Yeah, of course, I wake up completely passed out for God knows how long. And yeah, I'm in this temple and this priestess is berating me for messing up the temple and I have to clean it up. I couldn't figure out how to clean it up, so I just paid her a few hundred gold pieces, which luckily, thanks to not needing any of my equipment, once I downloaded this uh, sweet armor, uh, I could sell everything I could find. I had enough to pay her off and she was like, all right, cool, go find your friend. Good luck with that. And I walked outside and I realized I was in some town like miles away from Whiterun, which is where you start, and where I'd had the first drink. So I don't know how you get drunk enough to move almost entirely across the map. <laughs> that's, that's some powerful stuff. Yeah, so I just stayed, well, I'm here now, so I'll have a look around, even though I was supposed to do all these things in Whiterun. And I ended up in some underground Valley of the Dead, and these old dwarven ruins and fighting some weird ugly creatures it was just such an immersive world pulled into it and by this point i had a companion uh, named lydia that did not work out too well at one point i used my word of power pissed off a character that was otherwise fine with me so he attacks me she gets in the way i went to attack him back couldn't see what was going on there was a ghost it was very confusing and essentially I stabbed her in the back and yeah again one hit she's dead and that's the end of Lydia and <laughs> unlike in Fallout we really can't kill the companions unless you like it's hard like they're pretty much invincible they just sort of look at you and go come on man be careful whereas in this game people die like you just take them out uh, you can obviously replace companions but they're, they're pretty expandable being so OP I don't mind that like I'll live, but it's nice to explore those characters and, and try and build up the relationship. Apparently you can start families with people and have children and stuff like that. So I was looking forward to some kind of backstory that way, but uh, not the case. I just, it's a lot easier to make mistakes like that because you're not targeting things. You don't have a vats. You're just wildly swinging in the general direction of battle. And sometimes that can, yeah, have a little bit of uh, collateral damage. So I'll have to just not take it so seriously, have a bit of fun with it, try and work through some missions. It's really hard though. Again, unlike Fallout, it doesn't take you by the hand. You pick up all these quest lines and then I still haven't figured out how to see where they are now. Like I'll start like 10 different missions and I've got no idea how I'm supposed to complete half of them because they're just off somewhere else. So I think I'm going to end up getting through the game by sheer chance rather than any kind of methodical step-by-step -step approach which is uh, a bit easier to do in Fallout. But yeah, I've just got to approach it differently and have fun where I can take it. It's going to be a, an interesting experience.
and one that will stop me from keeping up to date on this I'm sure and other things the other thing I was going to talk about was uh, Amy Schumer that was the other podcast so that's the last podcast talk she was paid a lot of money apparently to start one with a bunch of friends it's called Three Girls One Keith because got, they've got some aging black comedian that sits down with them he's in his 70s or something and obviously he was a bit of a player back in the day and they make a bit of fun of him regarding his attitudes to women and he plays up to it and just uh, trolls them a little bit and it's a bit of fun uh, she has a guest on each time and they're always quite chill and no big celebrities yet other than herself and it's funny interesting that they do do ads but she herself has never actually done an ad it's just a bunch of her friends trying to make it entertaining so I'll actually listen to the ads for once because they do like to mix it up and make it seem conversational so that helps she talked about needing to poop I, that was my point is people in America get so upset with her and she's so crude and she talks about sex like she's a man and oh my god she's stealing her jokes uh, which she rightly says at one point look if that was the case if I was really stealing all these jokes I wouldn't have all these comedian friends I could still hang out with Jim Norton and all these other guys and my name would be mud but it's only in online trolls that go oh yeah she steals jokes like other comedians are completely fine with her so which isn't the case if you're literally stealing jokes. There's two comedians I can think of, and I'm not much of a, like I love comedy, but I don't really, I'm not really inside baseball on who's who in their world, what they think of each other. I know pretty much all of them respect Seinfeld and a few other big names, but there's a couple like like him too much. He was in an episode of Louis C.K. Dane Cook, yeah, he accused him of stealing his, one of his lines, and I think that became part of the show somehow so obviously that was done for the show but i do remember hearing about yeah i'd love to know the backstory behind that but because if it's in the tv show then clearly it's probably not really a big thing like they've made peace with it but one person who clearly was riffing a lot of his material and even stealing some of louis ck's jokes like apparently the whole asshole song that he made was pretty much based on stuff that a lot of louis ck's material uh, Dennis Leary, based on Bill Hicks, so he's got a lot to answer for in that way. And I loved Dennis Leary growing up, so that was really hard to hear later on that my hero, so to speak, there wasn't too much original about him. But hey, you know, he made it work. He synthesized it. He could see, you know, Bill Hicks by that point had passed on, and he had his time sort of in the late 70s and the 80s. And so by the mid 90s, when Dennis Leary came around, he could see an opening and packaged it in a way that worked for him. It sold a million records or whatever, that no cure for cancer. So I can't be too, like, cynical about it. I mean, hey, you managed to bring that humour back, if anything. I mean, I don't know where Bill Hicks's stuff would have gone if Dennis Leary hadn't picked it up and repackaged it. So, yeah, there's pros and cons to the whole thing. So just he should have probably acknowledged Bill Hicks more in his work. He wasn't exactly... Uh, He's a bit like Adam Crawler in that sort of mannish, really overtly masculine. There's not a lot of reflection or self-deprecating humour there. It's it's all very boastful, and that that's part of the charm, I guess, in a way. But uh, I much I respond a lot more to people that can make fun of themselves. So anyway, which obviously Arsol kind of was doing. Like that's the whole point of the song was that he's an arsehole. But if you go to his other humour. He's pretty unapologetic about what an asshole he is. It's almost like, yeah, and what are you going to do? I am, and I, you know, I'm literally doing it because it's the right thing to do, and everyone else is actually the asshole. That's the way the attitude seems to come across. So, yeah, I'm less impressed with him now, and that's probably, I don't know if that's part of the reason why he went into acting. A lot of comedians do that. I don't know how much of that stuff was, um, whereas, you know, other comedians that went into acting, like Eddie Murphy, I think he had a lot of creative control over the stuff he did for better or worse, and uh, yeah, a lot more respect for people like him and obviously Louis C.K., who was very much doing his own thing and created a whole new, like his show was just, there was nothing else like it at the time. And it's pretty sad that he's not around anymore. I mean, he obviously had to kind of take himself out of the game for a bit, but still hoping he'll be back. A bit like the whole James Gunn thing. He'd already apologised for it years before, and then once it came out, he had to just duck down and stay quiet so I hope with both those guys can come back and there's always room for redemption I say 
I don't know if that's... I have a lot of ideas when I'm driving around for new podcasts. Like, there's, I really want to do one about transhumanism. The problem is I don't know enough about the subject to just pontificate on it at the moment. But I would love to, like, do a little bit of research and each week talk about a new uh, aspect of it or a technology that's coming out that will make it easier to do. Obviously, I'd love to have Meow Meow Ludo on because he is the only transhuman that I know. Even though, at this point, I think he's only got the non-functional train pass in his hand they did say there was other things that he used it for like it can open doors and he might have had some banking details on there i forget i really have to get him on but it's a matter of me he's pretty open to it i just have to make the move and get out to where he is and set up the laptop and and make it happen so the way things have been i'm just i get home and i have a few hours left and i just do my thing so i really have to push things along a bit we're uh what are we at 47 minutes it might be a solid 60 i was going to brush over some news briefly though with myself i think this weekend hopefully see one of the kids the older one has the athletics carnival on monday he's going to run in a few races i'm hoping i can get along to see that i don't know if the parents are allowed though so i'm waiting to hear back i was going to take the day off work if i did hear back but Yeah, apparently his mother forgot to ask. So I'll just finish work early and maybe drive out there in the truck and just get in the way. And he'll love that. He won't be embarrassed at all, especially if I turn up nice and filthy in my uniform. Be like, yeah, go, son. I remember my mum doing that once at a football game when I was in high school. It didn't go down too well. Luckily, by that point, I was at a high school where there was only about 20 kids left. You know, no one really cared about what kind of embarrassing home life you had. But if it had happened in junior high, I would have been mortified. But I just remember catching the first ball as the other team kicked it over. And yeah, once it got in my arms, she was just jumping up and down and, hey, you go, boy. Just, just sit there and enjoy the game, Christ. But yeah, it's I didn't know he was an athletic kid. I knew that he liked playing basketball, but I had no idea that he was uh, at a level where they you know, were having him compete against other schools. Obviously, it's just... I mean, I did the same thing and I wasn't really like any kind of athlete, but uh, as long as he has a good time, uh, I can't see him going to state level. Not that that's, maybe he could if he puts his mind to it, but it seems like he's concentrating more on academia academia, and, and that's fine. That's probably what will make him more successful in the long run. Like, yeah, if he could be some kind of huge star in the cricket world or anything else, then go for it. But it's, I think he's going to be using his mind more than anything else. He's not like a cripple, but I just he's not physically... In, in, he's about average for his age. He's not super tall or super big or anything like that. The sort of things that I think these days you need to be to excel in professional sports. Uh, he'll excel in plenty of other areas, but these days you pretty much have to be a genetic freak to uh, you know be making any kind of money playing sports. It's just it's that competitive. I'd just be happy to see him have a good time and build his confidence and do team sports for the all the other benefits that you get out of it. Looking forward to at least hearing about how that goes and eventually when he's older and maybe joins a team of, of some kind that plays outside school hours, I'll be able to go along to that. Not be that, you know, remote dad that maybe sends a card on his birthday. I want to be involved as much as I can. Forward to all that stuff happening. But yeah, one thing I do while I'm trying to build my article, and um, it's the 17th of August, so by the end of next week or probably more realistically the week after I want to have some stuff put together and at this point I don't have anything oh yeah that reminds me of the other thing I wrote all this down in the truck today I was going to bring it in on a receipt that I was using and obviously forgot twice in a row because I came in at lunch to do this and then just passed out and then had to go out again obviously it's a Friday afternoon yeah that's why I'm doing it now at 8 o'clock oh Christ it's only 9 yeah, I was going to talk about how EA senses Colin Copernic. All I had to write was EA, and there it go. Why did EA censor a lyric about Colin Copernic? There's quite a few articles on that, all sort of... Oh, and they even apologise. And it's a mistake. Let's see what they say here. On the 3rd of August. In the current version of Madden NFL 19, Colin Copernic's name is censored from one of the songs. During Big Sean's verse on the YG song Big Bank, the former player's name is censored from the lyric, You boys all cap, I'm more Colin Copernic. 
Some thought the removal may have been something to do with the controversy surrounding him in the National Anthem because he's the guy that started kneeling. And no team has picked him up for the current season or the, the next season, which is freaking ridiculous because, or at least according to 1A, the NPR podcast I heard today, which is a little outdated. Hopefully, um, I mean, it still says former NFL player. So, and he was a really good player. And, and it was like a gentleman's agreement that they used to have back in baseball and, and, and other sports where they wouldn't allow black players. And it wasn't like a written thing. It was just they agreed to not use any until obviously that became an untenable thing. And it seems like it happened again with this guy because he started this controversy. And while other teammates gave him an award for best like best and fairest type thing and they all loved him uh he didn't really have widespread support it it kind of divided the game and uh yeah none of them put him in their team the next season so it's it's very disappointing there should be someone having his back tweeted big sean last night it was about how uh he basically said it's disappointing that the nfl and ea took out my verse on big bank like it was a curse word. When he's not a curse, he's a gift. Gopernik responded, Much love, brother. Thank you for having my back. And EA Sports was quick to point out the censoring of his name is nothing to do with the controversy. He made a mistake. Uh, members of our team misunderstood the fact that while we don't have rights to include Colin Kopernik in the game, this doesn't affect soundtracks. We messed up and the edit should never have happened. There will be a patch for the game coming out in August which will put the name back into the song. So that's good to hear. So much for using that in my article. It's kind of a non... <laughs> now they're not sticking to their guns. They're like, oh, sorry, we'll fix it. It's, I can't really call them a zero. It's like, well, they fucked up, but it wasn't completely uh, evil. It was just someone not thinking they had the rights. That's not as scandalous. Most Madden players won't hear the mistake to begin with. Only a select few have access to the game already. Due for release on August the 10th, so it's already out now. Uh, so obviously by that time, though, it would have been back in full original form. That's not really a story anymore. But I'm glad to hear they went. I mean, EA are famous for being complete dicks, and I thought this is way wow, taking it to another level, but that's not what had happened. So I'm glad I have the uh, word on that. I was going to read like the basic ABC news briefly because I thought I could do. A little bit of weird news each week. I could even make that like a whole new thing, like www weird news. I was trying to come up with an acronym for that that works because you could go weird weekly words. I, I'm gonna have to work on that, or you could just go weekly weird news wwn. That kind of works. Uh, but I'll just mention a few things that pop up, and it kind of puts ties a time to when the podcast was made. Experts are warning of a porn webcam scam straight out of Black Mirror. Now, I saw this episode. It was where one kid, you don't find out to the end, so I don't want to give it away, but they were blackmailing him with something they'd seen him do on his computer and made him do all these ridiculous things like rob a bank and kept texting him like, now do this, now do that. And there was a whole bunch of people that were forcing to do things uh, based on things they'd found out about them by hacking into their computer. And that's kind of what's going on here. It goes on to threaten the target's webcam, threatened that the webcam had been hacked, and a video of them watching the material was recorded. Huh. It ends with a demand for hundreds of thousands of dollars in Bitcoin. So it's basically just money. They're not telling them to rob a bank. But um, apparently, according to Miss Inman Grant, who is some kind of authority on this, I can't be bothered finding out what, the scammers have not actually accessed the computer. It pulls from a website which reveals more than 500 million exposed passwords from previous data breaches. While they may have guessed at an old accurate password, it's very unlikely and probably close to zero that they have your intimate images. So that's good to know if I ever get a uh, suspicious email. And apparently Google's tracking you even if you told it not to. And here's how to stop it. I don't really care. They can track me. I don't go anywhere interesting. World's oldest cheese found in Egypt, but you don't want to eat it. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind cheese, but that really old, smelly stuff. It may also contain evidence of a disease which can spread from animals to humans. Well, there we go. So there's a solid, huge chunk of it. It's like filling this giant urn that they've found. It's like the size of, I guess, a keg of beer. It's pretty big. And it's found in a tomb of Patamas, a 13th century mayor of Memphis, Egypt. I always forget that Memphis was originally a city in Egypt. 
and now I just associate it so much with the city in America. The sample was wrapped with a canvas into a broken jar. They suspected it was a kind of food and they decided to ask for a chemical analysis and it's the remains of a solid cheese made from cow milk and sheep or goat milk. Well that doesn't, that's a lot of different things it could be. They first found signs of bacterium that causes potentially deadly disease brucellosis which spreads from animals to people. So it's unpasteurized dairy product. So maybe don't eat it. It's the oldest reported biomolecular evidence of brucellosis. It's still around today. Last year there was concern about the disease spreading from pigs to humans. In Queensland and New South Wales, ancient people actually used cheese as medicine. Until now we were not sure whether it was really part of the daily life. I guess now we know it was. I'm Italian, I love cheese. I don't know how much they can change in flavor and appearance, even with very few differences in ingredients and process. Well, Dr. Greco, part of the burgeoning new field of archaeo food, was involved in other ancient food discoveries. Last year, we found the oldest wine in the world, now become the second, and the oldest Italian olive oil. Wow, that's a very specific freaking uh, science. So good on him. He and his team will continue to examine other materials found in the tomb of Fatami's, which was first unearthed in 1885. And they lost it, uh, thanks to the desert sands, uh, until 2010. How do you lose? I guess a lot of that stuff was happening in the uh, 19th century. Well, there's old school Rayleigh explorer types with the monocle and the top hat. And then they, uh, World War One happened. And they might have lost track of where everything was. So yeah, that was interesting. I could go through the FARK.com stuff but it's just a lot of it's clickbaity headlines that you really need to delve into to get any interest out of it whereas the abc it's right there cheese more about the cheese there you go dad to be thought of dad to be thought of unborn child as he dangled from wires in italian bridge collapse he uh Gian, gianluca ardini clung for dear life onto two wires for hours I'll think of his unborn child. Oh, I hope you made it. I guess he did, if that's, we know that. A dramatic rescue was captured on video and shared on social media. Oh, good. So I might watch that. Oh, they're a beautiful couple. She's eight months pregnant. Jeez. I'll have to watch that video later. It looks exciting. It looks like something out of a movie with The Rock. You know where he's got the helicopter? I think it's the one where he is flying around. And there's a giant earthquake. Now, well over an hour, so... Or won't be by the time I edit it, but... Um, time enough to say goodbye i'm impressed that i had enough to talk about i might have dribbled on a bit i hope you're still here and if you are i love you a little bit and just you know reach out so that's all for now keep your heart pumping do something interesting today and let me know what it was and i'll talk about it next time all right love you all have a solid one peace out